Thank you, Eric. That was Beth. So I did the Nikki Gumbel thing last year. Uh, what compelled me into it was the um, research they did, that they found out that people who read the Bible every day, uh, their lives improve dramatically, percentage-wise, up against those who don't or infrequently do. If you're consistent, it adds a quality to your life. So I wanted to test that out, just do a Bible reading every day and uh, focused on that and found it to be true, absolutely true. And so this year I'm doing the Bible project also, but I've, I had a thought as I was deciding which uh, Bible course I would take. And this one had a really good audio uh, attachment to it. And I thought, you know, the scriptures came down as spoken. You sat and listened to someone like they read Paul's letters and people listened. They didn't read the letters. They listened and I thought, I'm going to do that. For this year, I'm going to go through the whole Bible listening to it. Now, I'll read it as I'm listening to it, but uh, I'm a couple of weeks into it uh, and I'm really, really enjoying it and I'm hearing things uh, in listening that I didn't see in just reading. And so... You know, experiment with the Word of God. It's living, you know, so that means it's, it's not dead letter. If you do different things with it, it will enliven itself to different parts of your life and awaken you to what God's purposes are for you. And that's a good lead-in for me because we're going to be talking about some action steps today uh, toward reset. I'm sure you've all been hearing reset, reset, reset. I read an article this morning from the president of France who said the great reset has started. Now, he was talking about capitalism and the economy, but he's using that term reset. There's a real sense uh, things are not only transforming, but they're being set into a whole new pattern. And whatever happens with the world, uh, we have an opportunity in resetting our heart, soul, and mind towards the things of God to be influencers. It's really unfortunate how influenced the church has become uh, by the world. Like Eric said, you know, if you're spending all your time on Facebook and uh, the news and, you know, it's self-inflicted, baby. You're just loading yourself up with poison, you know. And we need to be the ones that are giving out salt and light. So, so we're going to talk about uh, that today. And there are two Christian men who have uh, caught my attention as regards the idea and application of what we are calling reset. And I might add there are a lot of individuals who are utilizing the term reset. Some have seen this time of reset prophetically and have spoken that out. I hear God saying that this is a time of reset for the church. Church. I'll get a little Pentecostal for you. But I've just let the words kind of dangle in the air alongside their ministry name while not taking or suggesting any action steps to take in order to fulfill the word. God doesn't just throw his word out there to dangle in the air. His word always accomplishes something. It never comes back to him empty or void, right? So if his word right now is reset, 
That means there's stuff for us to do. Well, at the same time, at the other end of the extreme spectrum, uh, those who are quietly going about the business of resetting without much fanfare, but with a lot of prayer, fasting, self-examination, transparency, and open discussion in a sincere and costly, this will cost you. It will cost you your stuff. You know, everyone has stuff that they hide in their tents. Uh, if you're familiar with that uh, in the Old Testament. So it's, it's a costly thing. In an effort to discover just exactly what God desires the reset outcome to look like. I might add, if you are not aware, uh, the vineyard movement in the USA is and has been for the past year in the process of resetting the whole structure of our movement in response to several promptings from the Lord over the past three years. The terminology is slightly different. They're calling it reorganize, reorganization. But the process, the motivation to pursue the process, and hopefully the end result will all line up with the Father's plan to reset the church in order to impact the world. The reset we are seeking you might also call an awakening, an awakening of the slumbering church. Just as in the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins where it says, and they all slept, Matthew 25, 5, as the bridegroom was delayed, how many have said several times over the last year, oh, just come quickly, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Don't you feel like he's delaying? <laughs> so you know what happens when he delays? They all became drowsy and slept. They all became drowsy and slept. The church, especially the Western church, since the 1950s has been lulled into sleep. We have grown lazy in our prosperity and the ease in which we have been able to practice our religion. But in so doing, we have lost touch with the purposes of God to be salt and light. And now the darkness has gained an ascendancy it should never have gained. Lawlessness and perversion have overwhelmed our cultural norms. And our children, our children stand in jeopardy. It is time for the church to awaken. It is time for the church to reset to reset our focus, our priorities, and our purpose as the people of God, ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, and to make ourselves ready because our bridegroom is coming and the world is in desperate need of salt and light. Matthew 25, 6, but at midnight there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. An unusual time, don't you think, for a bridegroom to show up? Late in the night while darkness prevails and most people are deep in sleep? Stay alert, Jesus said. Stay alert. For you do not know the hour in which the Son of Man shall come. At one place, he even indicates he will come like a thief in the night. Church, 
Let the current darkness of these times encourage your heart. For the stage is being set for the intrusion of light such as has never been seen. Isaiah 9.2, Isaiah talks about it. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness. Don't you feel that? Aren't we in that place in America? All of a sudden, it got really dark. Right? On them has light shone. On them. You see, the darkness makes the light all the brighter. This was, without question, a prophecy concerning Jesus' ministry in the Galilee region of Israel. And we see Matthew reference back to Isaiah's words in Matthew 4.16 when introducing Jesus' ministry in the towns and villages of northern Israel. But as is so often true with prophetic utterances, they often put principles in motion that allow for multiple applications of the words spoken. And I think this is one of those words. And if it is, then it offers us an enduring hope. When darkness overwhelms, then great light is near at hand. When darkness overwhelms, then great light is near at hand. Don't be deceived by the enemy to make you think that there's no more hope. Hope abounds because Jesus is still on the throne. And for us in this time and within the larger framework of the purposes of God, we are, the church is, the source of that light. We are the lamps. The Holy Spirit is the oil. And of course, Jesus is the flame of the light of the love of Father God that expels the darkness. Did you ever wonder about that verse in the beginning? Is God, and God said, let there be light. And it's like day three, he puts the sun and the moon in place. So for three days, what's all the light? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Listen, there's no darkness that can overtake this light. Isaiah 60, verse 1 through 5 says this, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the people. But the Lord will rise upon you. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. And his glory will be seen upon you. Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come and illuminate this word to our hearts today that we might shine all the brighter for the sake of the world and the glory of your kingdom. Amen.
So as I first stated, two men have caught my attention, and I want to just give you a brief glimpse as to why they have, and then two accounts from the scripture to give some possible guidance and structure to our pursuit of God's call to reset. The first is Jeremy Riddle, a vineyard and then Bethel worship leader with an amazing voice, deep passion for worship, and a gifting for songwriting. The first time I met Jeremy was at Loon Mountain at Soulfest, the only year that Vineyard had set up a tent for worship and teaching at the Soul Fest. It was the event that opened the door for us to become part of the Vineyard movement. I remember one night Jeremy was leading worship in their big tent, and he went very deep, really fast. And the tent just filled with the presence. And I glanced over, and Jeremy had abandoned his guitar and was on his knees, face to the floor, hands lifted up, and he was just weeping in adoration before the Lord. I remember a storm rolled in, and a lightning bolt zapped the power, and in the pitch dark, the worship continued unabated without any instrument being heard. The voices became the instruments of praise and intimate worship. It was a powerful night. You may or may not understand this dynamic, but the gift can become the snare. The gifting can become the trap. When the good becomes the enemy of the best, Jeremy emerged into the Christian worship industry with a powerful presence, moved from vineyard to Bethel and became a familiar face on worship videos, conferences and concerts, as well as regular Bethel worship services. In the process of that transition toward fame, and this is my evaluation, although I'm sure Jeremy would agree, production, performance, and profit took precedence over intimacy. I'll say that again. Production, performance, and that's a big one for every one of us, and profit took precedence over intimacy. I can remember thinking on more than one occasion while watching one of his worship videos he was leading that he did not look happy. In fact, it was deeper than that. He had become disillusioned with the Christian worship industry and was yearning to return to his first love in his personal worship. He soon discovered that repentance leads to return which allows for a heart to reset. Jeremy had to abandon the good in order to apprehend the best. Repentance leads to return. This is a little segment from his book, the same book Martha read uh, from this morning, and I, I would just encourage you. Um, it's a small book. It's not expensive. Go on Amazon. Download it as a Kindle, buy it as paperback. It is worth the read over and over again. I took it on my little four-day break. I said, I'll just read through this. I couldn't get past the third chapter because it got so deep so fast. So really, I highly recommend Jeremy Riddle. We stand in a moment of purification. I'm writing this book in the midst of a global pandemic that has shut down church services, 
programs, conferences, and Christian events of almost every kind. This is a moment of reset. The money that once flowed through the industries and enterprises we built around worship is drying up. Tour buses and venues stand empty. I can't think of a better time than now to let go of old structures, old wineskins, vices, entangling sins, pride, ego, or platform, and anything and everything that has been grieving the heart of God. In this shaking, we are being given a precious opportunity to repent and return to the Lord, to take back up the mantle of purity, and in returning and rest, discover the new things God desires to do in us and through us. But the great and glorious prize of our repentance will not be the new thing or the new sound or a repackaged, rebranded spin-off of the old thing. It will be Jesus himself. He will be our great and glorious portion and prize. He is the drink our parched souls have been thirsting after. If we get him, we get everything because he is everything. Jeremy is now leading in a worship and corporate prayer at Anaheim Vineyard Church as well as calling the worship community back to their first love, intimacy, and purity of deep devotion to Jesus. It is Jeremy's firm belief and driving passion that this will awaken the church to who we are intended to be, bring honor, praise, and glory to the name of Jesus, culminating in a more constant experience of his presence, which will lead to revival. The second person I am watching is a young man named Sean Feuch also a worship leader out of Bethel who may at first seem to be the polar opposite of Jeremy. Here is a statement he released this past week on Facebook as an example. Just hit number one on iTunes. <laughs> the real heroes are the production and entire Let Us Worship team. Zero marketing dollars again and God has breathed on it. The amount of planning, prep, prayer, and execution that goes into every Let Us Worship event is astronomical. It moves my heart to know this raw sound can now travel the world and back, praying for deep encounters that bring peace, hope, healing, and fire to your souls. This is all for your glory, Jesus. May the incense of your name cover the whole earth. Malachi 1.11. My understanding of Sean's emergence onto the national scene began when the Lord abruptly told him to run for a political seat in the House of Representatives for the state of California. Sean had no interest in politics. He was a worship leader. But in obedience, he ran, and as he did, he also learned about the political scene. He lost his bid for election, but when the governor of California told the church they could no longer worship because of the pandemic, Sean's political experience and his worshiper's heart morphed into a zeal for the house of the Lord. In a very public fashion, he began to call for, 
promote and hold spontaneous public worship events on beaches, under bridges, in open fields, and call them protests. Because the protesters were allowed by the government to do what the government told the church they could not do, and that is to gather for a common purpose. Sean's venue has now gone coast to coast with members gathering to worship in the thousands. And as they worship, souls are coming to Christ and being water baptized at beaches and rivers, pools and lakes, and now people are being spontaneously healed and delivered. It is Sean's firm belief and driving passion that this will awaken the church to who they are intended to be, bring honor, praise, and glory to the name of Jesus, culminating in a more constant experience of his presence, which will lead to revival. The exact same thing Jeremy Riddle is striving for, just from different angles. The approach is certainly different from Jeremy, but the heart, the passion, and zeal are identical. Same substance, different application. Second Facebook statement on the same day, Sean writes, my favorite testimonies from these Let Us Worship albums or events is not about the production, sonic quality, or guitar lines, but what is happening spiritually to people as they listen slash encounter. Our DMs, emails, and comments are flooded with stories of heaviness lifting off people, suicide being broken, joy being restored. This is the only reason I ever wanted to make music in the first place. This is why I believe a prophetic, raw, and grassroots sound not hindered or domesticated by music label executives is the key. The church has left the building, and so has her roar. So what is my point? God is at work. He is at work in the church, so that means he is at work in individuals' lives, and everybody gets to play, only if you want to. How we play may look different, but it's the same game going for the same prize. Luke 8:43. This is my first scripture story. There was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. That means probably absolutely nothing to any of the guys in this room. But you ladies know what that might look like. 12 years continuous bleed. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. Jesus said, who was it who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touch me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. When the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling 
and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now, I don't think this is accidental or without significance for what we are considering, but the same story as told by Matthew in his gospel comes out of this statement made by Jesus to the crowd just prior to the woman touching him. Matthew 9, 17. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins and so both are preserved. And here is what it says to me. At times when new wine, new seasons, new purposes, times of reset are happening, there is a necessary process of discarding the old in order to apprehend the new. I'm going to read that again. At times when new wine, new seasons, new purposes, times of reset are happening, there is a necessary process. A necessary process of discarding the old in order to apprehend the new. And this woman demonstrates her process. Her situation had consumed all she possessed, her health, her wealth, her strength, her thoughts, and her emotions. I can imagine that she was totally overwhelmed by her condition and certainly at the end of her rope. She needed a new wineskin. And someone is hearing this today. And you think it is too late for you, that things have gone too far. And that your body, your wineskin, can't survive much longer. Take courage and press in because there is new wine available. And he will not pour new wine into an old wineskin to see it wasted. Listen to this woman in Mark's version, Mark 5.28. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. It's emphatic. I will be made well. Where did she get that? Where did that come from? How did she know? After all the failed attempts, the disappointing doctors and the useless remedies she had tried, 12 years of bleeding out. If I touch even his garment, I will be made well. This came from the deep wellsprings of her sufferings and prayer. And still small voice whispering to her spirit, he is your answer. She abandoned all reason and broke all of the cultural restrictions that said, no, not for you. Bloody and unclean, they could have stoned her to death for touching anyone. 
And yet the fragrance of the new wine stirred her faith to action, and from the internal and oh-so-personal world of her suffering, she pressed, she pushed, and she wrangled her way to him. And I love this response from Jesus. Someone touched me, for I perceived the power has gone out from me. He didn't give it. No, she took it. And he loved that she did. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Go in peace. Listen, I, I'm going to stop here today. I tell you, there's an anointing for healing. There's an anointing for breaking bondages. There's an anointing for deliverance day, whether you're in this room or watching online. God is at work. He's come to give new wineskins today because he's going to pour out the best wine we've ever tasted. There's a new thing coming, but a reset has to happen. We have to abandon some things, and we have to abandon them today. Today's the day. This is the day of your salvation. This is the day where God is making a provision that might not come around for a whole nother cycle. Don't wait. If you're suffering physically, emotionally, spiritually, if you say, oh, I just wish I could stop thinking this way. I wish I could stop feeling this way. I wish I could stop having these emotions. If anything is, is robbing you from intimacy with Jesus Christ, push through, press through, snuggle your way through until you can get a hold of the hem of his garment. It doesn't take much. You don't have to wrap yourself around him. You just have to connect with him because he's nearer than you think. Whatever hinders you in your mind or heart, discard it. Get rid of fear. Only believe, Jesus said. Only believe. That's simple. Just believe. Believe what? That he is. That he is all that he said he was. Low self-worth, thinking he doesn't love you as much as someone else. Well, I rebuke that lying spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. And I call you out of depression and despair and into the healing love. I command pain, both physical and emotional, to yield to the comfort and healing of the Holy Spirit right now. Pain diminish right now. If you need a touch from the Lord, if you need a new wineskin today, I'm going to ask you to stand. If you're at home, stand right in front of you, whatever you're watching. Just stand up because it's not about this venue here. It's what's coming down from heaven above. And whatever comes down from heaven above comes to an open heart, not an open room. So, Holy Spirit, here we are. Arms open wide. Arms open wide. Such a needy people, oh God. Slumbering and sleeping, awakened to pain and uh, chaos and disillusionment. Lord, of all the pressures of life that want to keep us down, and we have you at hand. We have you whispering to our spirits, arise and shine. 
the light has come. The light has come. And the glory of the Lord is rising on you now. Holy Spirit, would you come as the glory, as the balm of Gilead, as the healing touch, as the comfort, as the wisdom, oh God, as the peace. Would you dispel chaos? Would you kick aside pain, oh God, and tormenting spirits? I bind and rebuke right now in the name of Jesus. I break the bondage of depression and despair right now in the name of Jesus Christ. All you who suffer from depression and despair, be free right now in Jesus' name. I loose you from that bondage, and I proclaim liberty in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, renew us. Renew us. Make us the proper wineskins for what you're about to pour out on your church. Every one of us standing, Lord, wants to play in the fields of the Lord. Come and heal us. Deliver us. We repent of all that has hindered us from reaching you today. We turn from that and turn to you, Jesus. You are Lord, Savior, and King. Amen and amen. Well, the Lord bless you, keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. You are dismissed. Jesus' name. We're going to have some prayer people up here. If you want some personal ministry, make your way up. We'll spend some time with you. God bless you.